Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Well, we live in a society where political discourse at the highest level has devolved into tweets and shouting matches. So not just a few people see the practical wisdom in maintaining polite society by not mentioning the big three things, money, sex, and politics. While we need to be wise in how we express our winsome witness to the way of Jesus, the church cannot simply be silent about the most important things in life. Money, sex, and power are very near the top of that list. They are indeed sensitive topics, but that's precisely because they are the most important and powerful things in our lives. Our Lord was not silent on these topics. He has much to teach us. His holy word is not silent. And neither are we his church. Amen? Amen. Well, today, maybe, you can breathe a sigh of relief because we are only going to talk about money. Practically speaking, we're talking about money this morning because sometime this week you will receive a bright yellow, well, I think they'll be yellow still, a bright yellow pledge card, we call them, from the church. Our financial committee and staff would be very grateful, if you're a regular attender here, for your participation in letting the church know what money you intend to offer to God here at Christ Church in the coming calendar year. And that will help us be strategic and how we will use those offerings in the next year to bless God and the world around us. But my main goal this morning, Christchurch, is just to encourage you. Preaching about money in this parish is very easy because I'm preaching to the choir, y'all. You all in this parish are some of the most financially generous people that I have ever met. You are generous not only in your financial support to the parish's ministries, but also to the people of Midland, and also to international missions. You are a parish that already, in so many ways, possesses the Christ-like virtue of generosity. Y'all already do this. Y'all already practice it. Y'all already share yourselves with others. Y'all already are a blessing to others, because the Lord has blessed you. This is a generous parish. So I first want to say, well done, Christ Church. Your generosity is a witness to Jesus, and it's a godly challenge to all other churches, even as St. Paul told some of his churches in Asia Minor. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is so, so proud of your faithfulness and your worship of him in this area of our life together. He is so delighted in how you express your love for him in this way. So this morning, I just want to encourage you. And I want to remind you of why you do what you do. I'd like to dig a little deeper into the meaning of our financial offerings. This morning, we're going to hear the why and the how. First, why do we give our financial offerings to God? And second, how do we do that, practically speaking? So first, why do we give our financial offerings to God in his church? I have a family member, now deceased, 
who said that he left the church because he felt they just wanted his money. I'm sure you've heard that kind of story before. I was sad when he told me that because I wasn't sure whether he was in a church that was a little bit weird uh, on this front, or probably more likely, he only had the eyes to see the material reality. He had a flattened, reductionist vision of this area of his life. His financial offerings were only about material things. They were only about the money, the time he spent working to gain that money, his participation in a community. He only had a secular perspective, a material-only perspective. He couldn't see what it had to do with his relationship with God, or at least that wasn't very important to him. I know this can also be true in my own life. It's very easy for me to check the tithing box, to turn on auto pay, and forget that my spiritual offering, I mean that my offerings are, have a spiritual context. This church is about Jesus. And it's very easy to adopt the secular lens of the society that we live in and forget the whole point of this. And that is simply what we want to ask our Heavenly Father for this morning. We want to see all of our life as part of our relationship with Jesus, especially those most important parts of our life, money being one of them. So why do we make financial offerings? It's because it's just simply part of our relationship with God. It's part of our worship of Jesus. In our gospel passage this morning, Matthew chapter 18, we have the parable of the unmerciful servant. I concede, first of all, that this passage is primarily about forgiveness. It's about letting go of others' debts when they wrong you or, hear this, when they owe you something. That's what St. Peter asked in verse 21. How many times should I forgive my brother? But while the occasion for Jesus telling the story is about forgiveness, the story is actually about money and the relational context of money between a merciful king and his servants. So it is salient for our reflection on money this morning. It goes like this, Jesus says, there was a servant of the king who owes his Lord an absolutely ridiculous amount of money. Often these days, my kids will say things like, what if our house was a billion thousand feet tall? <laughs> or what if you had a billion billion cookies? <laughs> That's essentially the idea of 10,000 talents. It's just this ridiculous number that might or might not uh, actually calculate with us in relationship to other money. The Father Matt translation here would be something like, a servant owed his Lord like a billion dollars. So this guy is in big trouble. The king wants to be paid up. Clearly, the man is never going to be able to pay all this back. His accounts will not be quite that liquid for a very long time. And the king here threatens him with the normal course of action in the ancient world. 
There were no limited liability companies to take on the risk of his business adventure, of his business venture. If you borrow money, you personally owe it back. And if you can't pay, the punishment is simply jail time until you do. So Jesus next gives us this scene. The servant is pleading to the king for more time. He can't pay this back, no longer how long he is punished. How does the king respond? He does something equally as ridiculous as the amount of money that he's owed. He forgives the man every last penny. I forgive your debt, the king says. It is finished. Your debt is great, but my generosity and mercy is greater, the king says. At the end of the story, Jesus says the king represents our heavenly father, God himself. No, church, isn't our God so much like that king? He is so kind and generous. He has given us everything we have, everything we are. He is our creator, our preserver. From him comes every good thing in our lives. And yet, even when we had rejected him, our great God, and we had turned our back and went our own way, he went even further. He offered himself once for all upon the cross that we would be free from our debt of sin and our fear of death and our belonging to Satan. And in light of all that, what does the unmerciful servant do? He has received this ridiculous grace from his merciful Lord. And yet he is ungrateful. He has not been transformed by this mercy. He does not represent the character of the king who did this for him. He does not pass on the same mercy to someone else who owes him a debt. And thereby, the unmerciful servant practically slaps the king in the face. The other servant, you might notice, is also a servant of the king, if he is a servant of the king. So the unmerciful servant who had his debt forgiven is in fact rejecting the king's dominion by behaving contrary to what the king does in his kingdom. And by rejecting the king's will, the king rejects him. The king's wrath is incised and he casts the unmerciful servant out into the jail that he so justly deserves. Christ Church, as I said earlier, I know that this is not true of you. Thanks be to God. You do not neglect your duty and your joy to give back to God and others what he has so mercifully given to you. You are some of the most generous people that I've met. We have a strong church budget. We care for one another. We are generous to the poor individually and as a parish. So this morning, this is just a reminder that our financial offerings are not about the money. They're not about power or even a church budget. They're simply about our offering ourselves back to God. They're just part of our worship, part of our relationship with Jesus. They're about being merciful and generous out of love back to God. 
because God has been so merciful and generous to us in Jesus Christ. Chaplain Skip set us up so well for this a couple weeks ago, didn't he? Your faithfulness to giving is actually the perfect sign of you yourself jumping into the offering plate. Wasn't that perfect? Why are our financial offerings so important? Because it's part of our worship of Jesus. Our gifts to God are a response to his great mercy for us. God does not need your money. He made your money. He made you. He made everything. He doesn't just own a cattle on a thousand hills. That's uh, exaggeration. He owns all the cattle everywhere. He is rich beyond our wildest dreams. But we make our financial offerings because we are giving back to him a portion of ourselves. Gift giving is just part of our relationship with God. It's part of our worship. It is a token of the gift of ourselves returned to God as the only proper response to all his blessings in our life and especially our redemption through the Lord Jesus. I'll say it again. God doesn't want your money. He wants much more than that. He wants you. All of you. Every bit of you that you're willing to give over to him. Because he has already given the fullness of himself to you in Jesus Christ. What does he want? All of you. Total self-gift back to him. In the Eucharistic liturgy that we are continuing to celebrate this morning, we will pray that our offerings would be joined to Jesus' perfect offering, made once for all upon the cross to the Father. And by participating in Jesus' own sacrifice, we become the kingdom of priests that offer ourselves and all of creation back to God, just like he designed us to do in Genesis 1 and 2. And an even greater grace is given back to us. We take on God's own divine life in ourselves through the body and blood of the God-man. Jesus Christ offered back to us. Why give our financial offerings? It is just part of our worship of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, how do we do that? Practically speaking, how do we make our financial offerings? Well, for starters, we have to practice. This is how we grow in Christ-likeness. You have to practice what you want to become. I'm sorry, y'all, you don't become great baseball players by watching it on TV, as much as we wish that were true. Likewise, you don't become a generous person by understanding the concept and listening to a so-so sermon here. You become generous by practicing giving your time and money away to God and others. So the first step is to practice it. Logistically, at Christ Church, as I mentioned, we begin by filling out a pledge card so the church can help to help the church plan. And then we start or continue giving our tithe. The practical starting place throughout the Bible is 10% of our income. That was the standard for Israel. And how much more are we closer to God in Jesus Christ so that we have, in fact, a greater duty and joy to offer more of ourselves back to God in Jesus? 
10% is our first step of offering our thanks and gratitude to God. But again, this is about a relationship with God. It's not about the money. So let me say this. I would pastorally rather have every person in our parish giving 10% of their income than have the wealthiest among us give 50% of their income. I hope you feel the urgency of the tithe as part of our offering to God. It's not about numbers. It's about relationship with Jesus. So if you're an active attendee here and are not yet giving to the church, the tithe, 10%, is your next step. It could be, of course, that you're new to this, and that amount feels like a lot for you right now. So I would just say get going. Uh, give a smaller amount, and then increase as soon as you're able to get to the 10%. Quick side note, if you're newish, we might not have all your mailing information for that pledge card, uh, so pick up a yellow one on the little table on your way out, uh, just in case. We don't want to make sure we don't give any, everyone the invitation to do this. For the rest of us who have been tithing for a while, the next step is to consider if the Lord is calling you to make a further financial offering to expand his kingdom. Y'all are already a generous people, Christ Church, so you already know the joy and the freedom there is in giving more. This certainly could look like increasing your pledge to expand our parish ministries, but this could also take lots of other forms. This could look like giving to a missionary or church planter. This could look like sponsoring a child in poverty, and we have avenues for that here. This could look like giving to a local ministry. This could even look like fostering a child or having a family member in need live with you, or if you're a younger couple, having more children. That's a financial offering. All of these are a beautiful offering and oblation of our life and labor to the Lord. Even while I invite you today, though, to consider whether the Lord is calling you into greater financial sacrifice, I would also encourage you, spend some time this week receiving the Lord's pleasure in your current faithfulness to generosity. If you're like me, you might be overly self-critical about what more you could do and forget to receive the Lord's gratitude for the good works that he's already working in you. So please, this week, take some time in one of your prayer hours or whatever you call it to notice, wow, look at this good thing that the Lord's doing in my life through my financial offerings. And just spend some time with the Lord on that, receiving his pleasure for you and with you. This year, my wife and I committed to being a new financial supporter of a church planning couple on the big island of Hawaii, where there is no Anglican church, and there is a great need for Christian education, because they're also planting a parish school along with planting a parish. There can, there's lots of ways that this can look. Any pastor on staff would be happy to direct you in how to create a relationship and make a financial offering towards a kingdom-expanding ministry. Church, we believe in Jesus, that the harvest is plentiful, but indeed, the laborers are few. So let's support our laborers. Let's pray for more evangelists, more church planters, more frontier missionaries, more local ministers 
who are serving the lost and the least. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.